fatherhood and the love of God is so important in our world today. And I would say that there is a crisis of fatherhood in our world. There's a really interesting uh, channel on YouTube. It's called Dad, How Do I? It's, it's a very nice channel, actually. It's a channel where this guy, his dad, he teaches people how to change their tires or how to shave or how to tie their ties. Some of his videos, I think he has over 3.2 million views. I think just, just him shaving, you know, and people just watching him shave. But what's really interesting is when you read the comments on one of the videos, I think the video particularly changing the tires. And then this one person said this, my, pa- my dad passed away when I was young and he never had the chance to teach me this. Another person said, this gave me more fatherly vibes in 13 minutes than I've had all year. I thought this was a joke. No, I see it's pure and honest. Is this what a normal dad looks like? I was expecting more yelling and cursing and calling me worthless. So if you hear in the comments of these videos, you can just see these young people yearning for a father. The craving to know a father, any father. In fact, we would say the father to tell them that they are not worthless. You see, for some people to call God father may seem impossible. You know, some of us can have many wounds We have some earthly images that come to mind of our earthly father. You see, sometimes that's really that's the only father we know. We only have one father in some ways. And the way we see our earthly father is the way we see our heavenly father. And so if our earthly father is broken, there are obstacles to our belief in our heavenly father. But even for those of us who've experienced good fatherhood as well, All of us will have this primordial wound from the original sin. You see, original sin is not just the eating of a fruit. And I would say not even just pride, although it is that as well. At the heart of original sin is this casting of doubt on the fatherhood of God. And this is what John Paul II was writing about. You see, if you look back to the temptation of Adam and Eve and you kind of read closely, listen to what the serpent said to Adam and Eve, right? He said, oh, why don't you eat this, this, this fruit, right? And then, you know, they say, no, we shouldn't eat of this fruit. God told us not to eat of it. And then the serpent says, you know, if you eat this fruit, you won't die. God knows that if your eyes will be opened and you will have knowledge of good and evil. And so what the enemy is trying to do, if you listen carefully, is saying, you can't really trust God. Right? He doesn't want you to eat this fruit, not because he's afraid you'll die, it's because he's holding back from you. And so what he did was he cast a doubt on the fatherhood of God, and our first parents believed it. And now all of us have the same wound as well, All of us have a hard time trusting and believing in God 
as Father. See, this is very, it seems kind of theoretical, but it's actually very practical in our spiritual life. As a person who does spiritual direction, I, I encountered this same issue in a variety of different forms. You see, all of us can experience fear, anxiety, worry, pride, anger, control. You know what the symptom of all of this is? It's a lack of trust in God. You see, worry, fear, anxiety, where does that come from? That comes from this belief, this idea that I'm alone. I've been abandoned by my father, earthly or heavenly. And I don't truly believe that he cares about me. So I feel this, this angst, this worry, this fear, this despair. But even if you take it the opposite as well, pride, anger, control, it's the same root. I'm all alone. I don't think he cares for me, so I'm going to do this on my own. So what happens is that in our own practical lives, we develop what, I, what we call an orphan mentality. We live like people who have been abandoned, like we're all alone. And therefore, we either turn to despair and sadness, anxiety, or we turn to control and pride and anger. And so the invitation today is not just to know in your head that God is your Father. God wants more than that for you. He's inviting you to ask, what do you believe with your heart? Do you truly believe that God is your Father? And you, and you might say, yeah, yeah, I do believe God is my Father, but then look at the symptoms in your life. Do I still fear worry, anxiousness, fear? Because right? if we believe that God is your Father, you wouldn't have these fears, right, in some ways. Of course, we're not perfect. We're striving for that, right? You see, Although our earthly fathers image, in a way, our heavenly father for us, right? And if we have bad fathers, we have a difficult time believing in God the Father. The opposite can also work as well, too. You see, I had a, my dad wasn't perfect, of course, but my dad was very good in some ways to me. You know, there's one story where I was, uh, when I was able to drive, finally, I could drive. My siblings had two brothers and two sisters, and, you know, I had to drive them to church, Right? They, they got to go to church early, but then I had to wait around for the stragglers and then bring them along. So then as I was driving and I was parking, and then I was backing up, you know, on the side of the curb, right? And as I was backing up, there, I heard this, I was like, oh no, oh my gosh. So then I, I, was, I didn't see anything. There's just, it's just a curb, right? So then I look outside, and then there's this giant stone flower pot and it was supposed to be on the curb, but it was like this. So the corner of it was sticking out. So as I was backing up close to the curb as a good citizen, right, it basically made this huge gash on the side of my car. I was like, no. Actually, it was my parents' car, which made it worse. So then I went to Mass, and Mass took on a whole new meaning. <laughs> Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. I confess to Almighty God, right? You take away the sins of the world. Peace, peace be with you, Dad. Peace be with you. And then so finally, you know, I, after Mass, 
I mustered up the courage and I told him that uh, I had dented the car. And uh, I could see his face and it was, his face was twitching a little bit. <laughs> but because it was, he just came out of church, he couldn't say anything. <laughs> so he said, it's all right, son. I'll take care of it. <laughs> so if you ever need to confess anything to your parents, kids, do it after Mass. Yeah. <laughs> but you know that image, that's always stuck with me, but also other instances as well, too, that, that God provided for me. But I have this image of God providing for me because I have my image of this, my dad providing for me. So I, I just have this really strong belief in God's providence for me, and I think part of it comes from my dad. There's also this beautiful story of Dick and Rick Hoyt. You might have heard this story. This dad who used to be you know, in the Army or in the Marines, and he, gave, uh, he, he had a son, and this son unfortunately had cerebral palsy because when he was in the womb, the umbilical cord was wrapped around his neck, and so he didn't receive oxygen to his brain. But fortunately, he was born and he was well in the sense that he was healthy, but he still had cerebral palsy. And the doctors wanted him to abort his son, but he said, but, but I think it was Dick said, no, he's my son. And so one time while uh, Rick was in school and he was kind of learning and, you know, with his peers and one of his uh, classmates in junior high got into an accident and became paralyzed, I think from the waist down. And then Rick went to his dad. Now he could speak by, I think, blowing into the straw, kind of almost like Morse code, Morse code or something like that. He was able to communicate by screen, even though he couldn't use his hands. He would communicate by this, some sort of device. And he told his dad, Dad, I want to do a charity run because I want to show my classmate that life is still worth living. So then his dad started training with this cement brick in a wheelchair. He did, and he did 5K in 17 minutes. I can't even do 5K by my, you know, 17 minutes by myself. This guy did it with a brick in his wheelchair. And so they did this race, and it inspired his son so much that they kept doing more. They did 1,130 endurance events, 72 marathons, and six Ironman triathlons. You see, an Ironman, a marathon, first of all, is 42 kilometers. Six, an Ironman triathlon is a four-kilometer swim, a 180-kilometer bike, and a 42-kilometer run. And so he would, Dick would swim, and he had this rope tied around him and his son in this boat. He, he would bike, and his son would be in the front, and he would run as his son was in this wheelchair. And then his son, Rick, says, you know, Dad, when I'm running, it feels like I'm not handicapped. And so you can see this beautiful video online of, um, it's a song, I Can Only Imagine, and then it's, you know, Dick and Rick together doing this triathlon. It's beautiful. And you can see at the end, he's running, Dick is running at the end at night, and there's people on the side cheering him on. And there's, there's Rick in the front, and he's moving his arm cheering at the end, running across the finish lines. Beautiful. You can think that if this is how awesome an earthly father can be, imagine how much more, how much more sacrificial, how much more loving, how much more dedicated your earthly father 
is. You see, one of Jesus' primary mission was to reveal God as the Father. See, no one knows the Father except the Son. And so think about it. You know, we'll read from Scripture today. Read from Matthew chapter 6. This is one of my favorites, right? Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, or about your body and what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And so then, then, of course, we hear again Jesus talking about the lilies of the field and how God clothes them even greater than Solomon. And so Jesus isn't just using these analogies to talk about nature, right? Jesus is trying to reveal the divine mystery of God the Father. Right? He's really God's, revealing God's providence that he watches over us. Or in chapter 7, verse 7, we hear that phrase, right? Ask, and it will be given to you. Search, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened for you. Is there anyone among you who, if your child asks for bread, will give a stone? Or if your child asks for a fish, will give a snake? If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Right? So he's kind of appealing to our human experience. Look, see, right? Even you give food to your children. You don't just give them rocks, right? Or snakes, right? When they ask for food. And so if you do that, how much more will your heavenly Father do that? And so Jesus' goal is not to tell us, but ultimately to show us and to transform our hearts. See, because all of us have a father wound. We're all like Thomas. Show us the father. If you read that passage, Jesus says something very interesting. He says that if you have seen me, you have seen the father. And that's a little bit confusing when you think about it at first. It's like, okay, does, does God look like Jesus? Is God there? Like, what, what does he mean? Like, and if you reflect on it over and over again, obviously we believe that Jesus is different from the Father, right? He's a different person. He's the second person of the Trinity. And God is the Father. But if you think about it this way, if you look upon Jesus, he's like the mirror. And the way we see him trusting in God the Father reveals the Father, Right? And so the way he lives and trusts in the Father reveals who he is and therefore who we are because the way we see God will be the way we see ourselves. Right? If we see God as a father, we will see ourselves as children. But if we see God as a dictator, we will see ourselves as slaves. If we see God as a parole officer, we will see ourselves as prisoners. And so Jesus is trying to reveal to us by his own being that he is a father. And you see, the fullest revelation of the mystery of God and of the father is on the cross. John Paul II says, Christ, by the revelation of the mystery and of the father and of his love, reveals man to himself and makes his supreme calling clear. So that's on the cross. And he does that. 
But when you think about it, it also doesn't, it's also confusing too, because what does Jesus say on the cross? He says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So on the cross, it seems like Jesus is not reflecting the Father. It seems like he's doubting the Father. But if you listen carefully, it's actually a reference to the first words of Psalm 22. You see, what Jesus is doing is he's quoting the words of the psalm to invoke the meaning of the psalm, right? Just like, for example, say, I say, I say, don't stop believing, right? And you'll think of a midnight train and a smoky room, and, right? Or if I say, you know, oh, Canada, right? You'll think of our home and native land and freedom and all these different things, right? And so when Jesus is quoting Psalm 22, He's evoking the whole meaning of Psalm 22. And I invite you to go back and read it. Because, of course, at first it says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from helping me from the words of my groaning? But as you go right to verse 3, it shifts to a different tone. It says, Yet you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel. In you our ancestors trusted. They trusted and you delivered them. To you they cried and were saved. In you they trusted and were not put to shame. And so even what Jesus is doing is he's, he's recalling this abandonment that he's feeling. But at the same time, what he's also saying is, look, I recall my ancestors. And they trusted in you and you delivered them. And those who trust in you will not be put to shame. And in fact, if you go to the end of the psalm, it's actually a song of thanksgiving and of praise. And what it's saying is that future generations will look back on this moment and all the families of the earth and the nations will worship you because of this moment. It's a beautiful, beautiful testament. And what he's saying is that, God, I trust in you. My Father... I trust in you because you are my father and you are good and you are faithful. And even though I don't understand what's happening now fully, I believe that you will bring about a greater work because you are faithful. So I'll just close with this story of Josephine Bikita. She was born in Sudan in 1869 and she lived this beautiful life as a young child, but she was kidnapped and sold into slavery at the age of seven years old. You can only imagine the, the pain and the horror that she felt. In fact, she was so shocked by this experience that she forgot her name. And so they gave her the name Bakita, which means the fortunate one. She was sold several times in, in her slavery, and she was even tortured at one moment with salt. What they would do is they, they tried to mark her. And so they would cut into her flesh this marking, this brand. And then they would put salt in her wound over several months to mark her. But at the same time, she had this mystery and this awe of creation. She said that seeing the sun, the moon, and the stars, I said to myself, who could be the master of these beautiful things? And I felt a great desire to see him, to know him, to pay him homage. So she longed for this beautiful one. She saw creation speaking of this beautiful one. She longed to meet him. Eventually she was sold to this Italian order who was in Sudan. 
and eventually she was moved to Venice, Italy. And this owner was much more generous and more kind to her. In fact, she got to nanny these children and she got to meet these Canossian sisters. And it was in that moment that she encountered the love of God the Father. She was given a crucifix for the first time. And she heard that there was a God who loved her, who died for her to save her. Right, that cross reflecting the love of the Father. She was able to see it. Maybe she couldn't articulate it in that way. And listen to what she said. She said, Oh Lord, if I could fly to my people and tell them of your goodness at the top of my voice, oh, how many souls would be one? I think about her life. She's kidnapped at seven, sold several times, tortured with salt. But what does she say? She proclaims the goodness of the Father. The family tried to move her to another place, and she refused to go. And they went to court, and fortunately, the court sided with her. And now she was a free person, and she joined the convent. And she just wanted to be, live a simple life with the Canossian sisters. And she would tell people her story, and people would feel sorry for her. But you see, Josephine didn't want people to feel sorry for her. Because she understood the power of the cross. She understood the love of the Father. She said that if she met her kidnappers again, I would kneel and kiss their hands. For if that had not happened, I would not be a Christian and a religious today. That's not to excuse what they had done, but it's to recognize God's providence in her life. This God who is faithful who was able to bring about an amazing good despite the evil she experienced. And that is the truth of the cross. And so my brothers and sisters, whether we've had good fathers or bad fathers, whether they've been physically or emotionally distant, all of us have our Heavenly Father. And so Jesus is asking us today, what kind of God do you believe in? Open your heart today to our Heavenly Father. Let go of all these obstacles. Acknowledge the lies that have been told to us by the enemy. Because if we see God as a dictator, as a parole officer, some sort of tyrant, reject and rebuke those lies. And open your heart to this God who is a Father, who we can trust Him in anything, no matter what happens, like Josephine Paquita like St. Josephine Bakita. So let us now pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you today as your beloved children, yet our hearts are wounded by original sin, and our hearts doubt your goodness, doubt your providence, and doubt your love. We pray that today you may truly reveal the power of your love, and that we may tangibly experience it in our hearts and not just in our heads. We pray that as we contemplate the mystery of your Son on the cross, we may see your radiant love bursting through and pray always as he did, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, 
as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen.